Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're going to take a look at three movies. Don't Breathe, A Tale of Love and Darkness, and Morris from America. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge it being the highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh, and send it back means... Life's too short for that mess! Isn't it, though? I always think so. Jason, what's up with you? Well, thank you for asking. You're welcome. Uh, so I um, I participated in, in 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 a meme, a meme, a, a meme a on meme. Facebook. Margaret Cho posted uh, a meme of um, name your vagina after the last movie you watched. Uh, hers was Miracle on Thirty Thirty Fourth Street. Mine, unfortunately, because of the timing of when I saw this, was one of our films from this week's episode. Don't breathe. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and uh, and so I you know I shared it and then this I wish it was a tale of love and darkness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been good too. Uh, so I shared it thinking like two people would like it and one of them would probably be Mima. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and to be to be fair, she did jump in and use uh, this this thread. Um, but to promote a show to promote a show, <laughs> she was like, I have to say, mine is like, guys, I'm playing a show this Friday. It's really it's like, Mima. It's in London. It's in London. We can't come. Uh, so, and this thread has taken on a life of its own. Like, last I checked, I have, like, over 80 comments on this thing oh, from wow. people I have never met and who I don't even have any mutual friends with. I mean, it's really the center of the Venn diagram of the people that you know. Like, yeah. people who've seen movies recently. And who like a vagina joke. Yes. Like, I feel like these are my people. I feel like maybe I found my tribe. I think you did. I think it could have happened. Um, so today I was looking through and, like, singling out the ones that I think are the funniest. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Prometheus. <laughs> I just think really funny to imagine someone calling their vagina Prometheus. <laughs> uh, sausage Party was a big one. Oh. Kept coming up again and again. Um, no Country for Old Men <laughs> was really got a lot of play. Lots of people. Uh, uh, Chamber of Secrets oh. uh, was uh, another another popular one. Um, Bone Tomahawk I thought was especially <laughs> vivid. Um, but the one that I, I may have laughed at the most is... Um, the Sandlot. <laughs> was that Mima? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much pummeling of the Mima in this mm. episode so far. Uh, so uh, yeah, so thanks to all who have participated so far. Mima's, by the way, her contribution was how to be single. <laughs> it's funny because oh, it's true. Oh, that's good. When did you post this? Uh, it was just Tuesday night. Uh, oh, so mine would have been the birth of a nation. Yes, yours would have been the birth of a nation. <laughs> uh, so if only you could go back and put that in there. If only. Now if it would only. be Morris from America, which yeah, isn't which is, really... Which is, which is kind of funny, I guess. I guess. Like, this is my vagina, Morris from America. Oh, I guess it would have been Kicks. <laughs> <laughs> this is my vag, Kicks. <laughs> I call sort her... like a little sidekick. I call her Kicks. <laughs> Short for sidekick. <laughs> we're two separate, but we're very close. If it was next week, the title might be "The Light Between Oceans." So, or anti-birth, actually. 
<laughs> it's always funny. This is, uh, is going to um, have a long time, long life. I think it will. I think it will. I started looking just through DVDs on my shelf, looking for ones that might be funny. I noticed I have a movie called Pink Narcissist. So <laughs> just leave it at that. Rebecca, what's, what's up, up with, with you? Me? Well, now I'm going to talk about my meme that I'm <laughs> obsessed with. Okay. We are in our mid-30s, guys. You got to go, yeah, go to the internet. Go to Google. Go to, go to your local internet. Go to your local internet. Type in the name of the article. It's like a, it's probably like a Jezebel article or something. It's not Gawker anymore because right. RIP. Um, Would it still be online? Yeah. Well, the other entities are still online. Gawker, okay. Or not Gawker, but like Jezebel and all those are still online. And I this see. was on one of those, the other ones. Got it. Um, it might be on Kotaku, actually. Anyway, type in these Pokemon dance better than most people fuck. <laughs> Type that in. The internet will find the article it's that you're a looking low bar, for. But... I, yeah, well, um, and it's it's somebody made this these animations of two Pokemon dancing, and it matches like any song, and it's the funniest <laughs> thing you have seen all week. I'm a guarantee. Just look it up. If you can't find it that way, just follow Ashley Feinberg on Twitter. She's posted a bunch of them. It's it is mind blowing. Rebecca was showing me a few of these before we started recording, and uh, and we both laughed ourselves senseless. I uh, laughed so hard I had to take my sweatshirt off. I started yeah. sweating. I was laughing, exactly. so, and I've seen these seven or eight times today. The sweatshirt was literally the only thing she had on. Well, so here we things, go. Yeah, it's a sweat lodge in here right now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's 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 ridiculously funny. So um, good. Some some choice songs, um, <laughs> and uh, it's just there's just something about watching a a little dinosaur looking Pokemon kind of sassily bop to the beat that really. Uh, <laughs> Hits you in the funny bone. It really does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's up with me. <laughs> Very successful yes. week. Thriving urban lives we live. Um, yeah, that's why we pay so much in rent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so that we can sit inside <laughs> and look at our phones and be like vaginas and Pokemon. Um, so let's talk about movies. I guess so. Okay. Uh, the first movie we're going to take a look at this week is called Don't Breathe. The <laughs> new... <laughs> So good. <clears throat> a group of friends break into the house of a wealthy blind man, thinking they'll get away with the perfect heist. They soon realize they were very, very wrong. I got our ticket out of here. Rumor is this guy is sitting on at least 300K. Boom! That's her guy. Wait, is he blind? We messed up to rob a blind guy, isn't it? Just because he's blind don't mean he's insane, bro. Money's probably in there. Who's there? Stay right there. How many of you are there? It's just me, man, all right? Just let me go, please. Okay, I swear to God. I'm super bummed I didn't get to see this one with you because the, the trailer scared the shit out of me it looks really um intense but i couldn't quite tell if it's a horror movie or a thriller movie or can you tell me or should i wait to see um well uh i think i can probably safely tell you it's kind of a mix of the of, of the two. Ooh, a horror. Um, uh, yes if you will what else would that be called i already did crawler <laughs> crawler is that what the, yeah all right sure no let's go with that horler horler 
I like horror. There, there it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're watching the movie and you're like, okay, this is just a thriller. This is just a thriller, and um, and and it's a, a very effective thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of movie where like you, I feel like my body was rigid the entire time, just like sunk into my seat, kind of holding myself. Oh, <laughs> and you know, in and and, uh, and you know, you are testing yourself as you're watching it to be like, how quietly can I breathe? <laughs> oh yeah, there's like a lot of silences. Yes. Excellent use um, of silences. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would say so. It's pretty, it, you know, it's somewhat in, uh, ingenious in that sense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but then there is a, um, a third act turn toward horror. Mm. Um, and it's really, uh, I would say, over the top. Oh. <laughs> um, but in a really kind of entertaining way that had me, like, screaming delightedly and cheering in my seat. Really? <laughs> um, it's like, oh, that is fucked up. Uh, so, yeah, um, it, it, it has it has some, some third act horror uh, components. That's really exciting. I'm Put getting really way. excited for this movie. Yeah. Um, so these these three kind of kids, friends break into a house. Um, is it kind of like a bling ring situation? Well, see, that's kind of what I thought when I first started to watch it because you see the movie opens with them robbing a really nice looking house that looks like one of the houses from the Bling Ring, mm-hmm. and um, and the kids are all white and fairly good looking, and I'm like, okay, so it's like the Bling Ring. Um, then I find out it's set in Detroit, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, just... oh, I just read an article on how a lot of movies are being a lot of horror movies are being yeah, set in Detroit now. It follows, I believe, was also mm-hmm. in Detroit. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a misleading opening scene because then it turns out that these kids are all supposed to be like really impoverished and that's kind of like why they're trying to, which, you know, I mean, the fact that they're supposed to be like impoverished kids in Detroit trying to rob people to get enough money to get out does not explain their improbably bright, healthy appearances. (laughs) Um, but, uh, all the same, um, they are trying to get out of Detroit and they have these, you know, these, these circumstances, uh, that they're just trying to get away from. Jane Levy's character has a daughter that she's trying to, you know, get away from her dysfunctional home. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it kind of gives them all uh, motivation for why they're doing what they're doing. So they're trying to rob this blind guy. Um, does it seem like a smart move? Does it seem like an easy open and shut case, if you will, when they go into it? Or does it seem like kind of a dumb plan? Um, I would say it seems like kind of a dumb plan um, because they... It's just dumb. It's just they're trying to rob a house while a guy is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're thinking that somehow, like, just because he's blind, uh, that he's not going to know that his house is being robbed. Oh, I see. Um, and they, and they don't go in there, like, with the intention of killing him. No, they don't go in there in the, with the intention of killing him. They do um, have something that they use that they think is going to, like, kind of gas him into... Um, a deep enough sleep that he won't hear them. Mm-hmm. But even on their way in, they are insanely loud. Um, <laughs> they, they're going in in the middle of the night. They're arguing right outside his house. No, it's um, like when my wife tries to, to go to bed after I do. It. Like, <laughs> You're like, could you be louder? Could Like, is this on purpose? <laughs> right, exactly. She's like, well, these, these pots and pans aren't going to bang themselves. <laughs> like, you know my sleep ritual. You knew what you were signing up for. It's really just the cats. It's, it's just the cats. They're just like they're jumming around in the her. pots they're and pans. getting her in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and there's this movie of course and it's 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 trio of characters are sort of a, a um a kind of a love triangle so we have Ooh. the girl we have like her hothead asshole boyfriend mm-hmm. um and we have like this sweet quiet sensitive little boy um who looks like logan lerman and who is kind of pining for the girl even though she's with the bad boy so we have that kind of cliche love triangle playing out while this is all going on 
um, and taking on different uh, facets as the story progresses. Uh, but yeah, so they're being fucking loud. They're being incredibly dumb. Well, it's a combination. So the hothead's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Um, the girl is actually really... I don't know. Like, I want to say greedy, but, you know, we know what it's for. It's not for her to, like, right. go buy herself a bunch of jewelry. It's so that she can, like, get her daughter out of California. And she is she's vi- out to California. And she's very driven. She's very, like, as things continue to get worse and worse and worse, she is still like, I need to get that fucking money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, we it's they, they are dumb. And that does give you some, uh, <laughs> that does give you some, some, some respite. Because, like, you're gearing up. You're like, okay, like, clearly at least one of these kids is going to be killed. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you just are like, okay, well, I'll just try to remember how dumb they were <laughs> while I'm watching them, like, plead and beg for their lives. Because they don't deserve sympathy, dumb people. I'll say. Um, so, uh, so you said clearly you think that someone's going to get killed. Um, it seems like they sort of set up... The whole story in the trailer where, you know, um, they go into this house, they get around this blind guy thinking it's an open and shut deal, but the blind guy is stronger than they think he is or more clever. Is it, knowing that, is it still worth going to see? Yes, it is. Oh. Um, so the blind guy is played by Stephen Lang um, and not, as I believe while watching it, Robert Patrick. And <laughs> uh, and and he, you know, there's, there's quite an arc because, you know, in the beginning he seems kind of like they're saying in the trailer like it's isn't kind of messed up to rob a blind guy and we find out that the only reason he has money um so that 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 description said uh he's a wealthy man and that's not true um i mean this is this is a man this is a he's a okay so he's a veteran um he was blinded in combat Mm -hmm. and he was awarded a sum of money um whenever his daughter was killed in a car accident oh god so that's how he got the money oh my god yeah um, so sets him up to seem extremely sympathetic, and yeah. you're like, "Oh, the I like good kill those fucking kids," and they even like, and then the hothead brings a gun in, and then like the other boy is like, "You'd realize now that like technically he can kill us because we're right. in his property with a gun," and hothead's like, "Whatever," um, because that's what hotheads do. Hothead's gonna hothead, and um, <laughs> and uh, but then you know there is the, it, like you said, like in the trailer, you see that like he is because he's a veteran, so he's very strong. Mm-hmm. And um, and also apparently like they never heard like the cliche about like oh well you know when you lose one sense you know others get heightened uh, that like that kind of nugget of wisdom never trickled down to these kids mm-hmm. so they did not think about that piece of it um, and uh, and then there's kind of more stuff that happens later so yeah j- it's not just that he's strong okay I'll Ooh, say it. I'll, okay. Put it, I'll put I'll put it that way yeah um, so you were uh, scared the whole time freaking out um and it's rated r so it's not like a pg-13 kind of no, scary it's it doesn't a, it does not wimp out it is uh, very and it keeps going Ooh. <laughs> like it just goes and goes and goes like there are so many moments toward the end when you're like and we're oh nope we're back in <laughs> uh it's it, it and it's just like brutal but exhilarating brutal not like punishing this is draining the life out of me brutal mm-hmm. draining like, the life out of somebody else exactly exactly and so you're just like huh yeah it's like it's just it was it's so fun to watch even though it's also so like it's just a thrill ride like that's such a cliche term but like that term is designed for movies like this like it'll just have you just like here we go with more cliches. Edge of your seat. It's an edge of your seat thrill ride, says the binge. <laughs> I want to get that printed on a poster. Yeah. Um, who makes this? 
Uh, Fede Alvarez. Oh, he's the guy that recently directed Evil Dead, the remake, right? Yeah. Um, and that also has Jane Levy in it. It does. Is this like a director star muse kind of combo thing we have I, going on? I think it could be um, because um, Jane Levy, I uh, most people know her from Suburgatory. She was a star of that sitcom. Mm. Um, no blank idea stare, what that is. guys. Blank stare no from idea Rebecca. what that is. Um, you're like that sounds like white nonsense. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, and you know, and so on that show, I mean, she when she was first introduced to us, she was being packaged as like the little, like a little pocket Emma Stone. Um, mm-hmm. And then she the Evil Dead. Because Emma Stone is too big. Exactly, <laughs> it's like a less big boned Emma Stone. It's a uh, less Asian Emma Stone, right? please. <laughs> right, Emma Stone, but can't pass for Asian. <laughs> Um, and uh, so then she did Evil Dead. And it's like, oh, well, that's weird because she's just this kind of like quirky little like redheaded Daria girl on ABC. And that Evil Dead remake, we found out that she has the Scream Queen, what it takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and that continues to be true in this movie. She is, who would have guessed that she would turn out to be such a phenomenal horror actress? Um, not and, easy. That is no, not easy. No, I mean, it's grueling she goes through it a million times over in this movie and um and she always is just giving so much energy um and it's just uh she's fantastic and yeah Fetty alvarez is he's 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 one to watch i mean like the evil dead remake was really fantastic Mm -hmm. um this is pretty fucking fantastic as well uh so yeah I, i would love to see them keep making these these kind of clever thrill ride horror movies um, so it sounds like you have all great things to say. Does this movie fall short anywhere? It does. Oh, um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so a lot of the dialogue is um, is clunky. Um, you know, like I was saying, there's there's cliches with this love triangle. Um, the hothead especially is not terribly convincing, which could be a combination of screenplay and actor. Um, and uh, and also it seems, and I have to watch it again to know for sure. But I thought that in the final stretch, it seemed like there were some cheats involving like it starts to seem like our villain. Um, slash um, victim is like one of those unkillable horror movie characters where you're like, but wait, no! Like, wait, what, mm-hmm. how are you still going? Um, so uh, where you're like, but no, that person would be dead. Um, yeah. You know, but then they keep coming and and uh, and and also they seem to be in places that are improbable that they could also already be there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so th- like uh-huh. the kind of like, oh, but, but he couldn't have been both of those places. So yeah, there, there there's some moments toward the end where you're like, hmm. Where it just crosses into like that kind of invincibility, yeah. um, where you're like, because I'm spoiler, he's still human <laughs> in okay. the movie. Okay, that it's, is a spoiler. It's not that he turns out to be not human. Okay. Um, yeah, which you know, I mean, it's, it's it's a good spoiler because don't you won't be disappointed when you watch the movie and you're like, he's gonna be a werewolf. But he, <laughs> As I, I always know. go into every movie, <laughs> exactly thinking, which hoping, was very disappointing. Hoping against hope. I mean, you did say your spirit animal is a wolf. When so. I did see Birth of a Nation and those sideburns, <laughs> right. I thought for sure we were going full and werewolf. And he started to howl, but then it was he just did. in pain, and you yeah, were like, oh, sad. boo, boring. That's my whole review. <laughs> um, what are you giving this? I'm gonna say binge it. Like this Ooh. is this is a this is a fucking late summer treat, is what this is. This August has been something um, else. Huh? Yeah, it's really like I might have to stop talking about August as like a dumping ground. Like maybe those days are gone. Yeah. Um, oh wait. So there's oh, wait. still room for that. Well, I guess last week we did have War Dogs and we did. Uh, and whatever the other and Ben Hur, 
Which, can we talk for a second about how undeserved that movie's bombing has been? Not only undeserved the bomb. I mean, we sort of expected that. Yeah. I'm really disappointed in all the so articles expensive. that came out. Oh, yeah. Sort of trashing it. I know. Like, people, like, it was so, a pile-on. It was a pile-on. Yeah, on. it was a pile-on. Because um, I, I want to see it again still. I yeah. still thought it was really funny and guys, cute and weird. Guys, it was not anywhere near as bad as, no. as the media has led you to believe. No. I mean... Don't listen to the lamestream media, guys. They don't get everything right. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> but no, it's... A, but I will say that like I went back and listened to our review of it, and we were like, this movie couldn't have had that big of a budget. And like, this is... Yeah. Even, and then it turns out that it costs $100 million to make. <laughs> so so, I guess that's a so, failure. <laughs> So, yeah, so I will say, like, if you want somebody who could make you a hundred million dollar movie look, it could cost about thirty five. Then uh, go hire old uh, Teamer. Teamer. <laughs> Beck Membatov. You son of a bitch! You're just <laughs> showing off now. Ah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So this so is this binge is this don't is a breathe. treat. Binge don't breathe. This is. I mean, it's. I mean, it's definitely. It's. It's a. It's a rough R rated uh, horror movie, and like basically, once they get in the house at the end of the first act like they're in the house the rest of the movie so get get ready for like a solid hour or so of just like not breathing um while don't. yeah <laughs> yeah because don't because he'll hear you um this sounds like a great like you know it's chilly here in san francisco because it's uh, a time of the year uh any time of the year so it's chilly um where you would just go to the movies on a Saturday night, get that like 10 p.m. show, right. get a big bucket of popcorn, and just like freak out. As opposed to most of the places in the country where you go to the movie theaters in August because of the air, air conditioning. conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> Not here. Um, cool. It's out now, and it's rated R for terror, violence, disturbing content, language, and sexual references. We're just fucked up. Um, movie number two. Movie number two is... <laughs> Could not be enough of an about face. No, it really couldn't. A Tale of Love and Darkness. I mean, the name could sort of go as a horror movie. It could. There and is both love and darkness and There is a way that is horror. 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 Horrible. Um. <laughs> Horribler. <laughs> um, anyway, A Tale of Love and Darkness. Influenced by his mother's stories and poetry readings, young Amos Oz grows up against the backdrop of the end of the British mandate for Palestine and the early years of the state of Israel to become a famous writer. Jason, did you learn Hebrew since we spoke last so you can translate that for us? Um, you know, that fell off my to-do list. Wow, like actually. a couple of things. Like a couple of things. Um, just add that to the did-not-do list. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have a harsh mid-year review coming up. <laughs> um, I did pick the part where you can kind of tell that they're talking about Cavaliers. So this movie is about the Cavs. <laughs> God damn you. I didn't even realize you were doing that. I was like, oh yeah, Cavalier. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So we'll give you a little backstory since the trailer, um, unless you... Yeah. And as you guys may have realized, um, despite this movie being directed by, written by, and starring Natalie Portman, it is not in English. No. She uh, was born in Israel. She was. Um, and so this will be the first of two movies that we talk about this week in which we have um, predominantly English language movie stars showing off by acting in other languages. Um, so this is based on a memoir um, by Amos Oz uh, of the same name. Have you read it? No, yeah. I've never heard of this fucking dude. Uh, he is, I think he's the like most famous living Israeli author. He's very famous. 
I mean, I feel like I have nothing but like things that are going to sound insensitive to say. Okay. <laughs> yep. We'll so just, just, skip, just we'll another Thursday. Uh, no, no, I've never heard of this guy. Um, I mean, I am not an expert on Israeli literature. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he has not. He has his works have not uh, found their way into my um, my path. What no, it's say? neither about movies nor a joke about vaginas. So exactly. So I'm pretty sure your... we've established what my what my wheelhouse is. Um, <laughs> and and this he, is not in it. He is not in it. Um, so the memoir is about his life. He uh, grows up in uh, the early birth of the state of Israel. His uh, his mother is suffering from mental illness, and uh, I guess the the memoir goes more into um, their life there um, as he's kind of like around. As, it's probably like 10. Um, mm-hmm. And then later he goes um, to kibbutz and um, uh, lives there for a bit. And I think that the, the memoir goes a little bit longer into the story than this does. This mainly, mainly focuses on like yeah. two or three years. It's hella um, Jewish, guys. Uh, that it is. In, it's in Hebrew. Um, yeah. I cannot think of a more Jewish movie that I've ever... And we just watched Tikkun. Um, and, I, and I think this was more Jewish. Than Tikkun? I think kind of. Huh. What is what I mean, does at least it that mean one had a Jewish at least that one had a boner a in it. I don't know. <laughs> it's something to keep me away from it. Uh, yeah, no. This was uh, this was this was a, this was a deep dive, um, and I think that what it, I think what it assumed about the audience that Takoon didn't is a certain level of, I think, prior knowledge and <clears throat> interest in and intrigue in all the things it's talking about. Um, like, like that we would watch it with a sense of reverence of like, oh, this is Amos Oz's story. Yes. Um, yes. which like, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know who Amos Oz is and I don't think the story is very interesting. Uh, so I, I was like, it had an air. This was big to me watching this movie. It is so self-important and so self-serious. Yes. It carries itself with a, a an inflated sense of its own significance. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge bummer. Yeah. Um, so, because I was like, I don't care about any of this, which is uh, which also struck me because there is so much in the story to care about. Mm-hmm. You have this really tumultuous time in history. Um, these people who have just left uh, Nazi Europe mm-hmm. are now in this, you know, being forced to share this land with um, the Palestinians. Things are tense there. The British are still there, so the political landscape is crazy. Um, he's he he's close to his mother, who's yeah. suffering from a mental breakdown. Right, um, it's so rich and like, and I'm such a sucker for a mother son story. There's there's so much here, but the, it focuses so much on him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's, I mean, I feel like the oh, point he here narrates it too much. Oh he my does God. narrate it too much, so much. And and the thing is, is that Amos Oz himself actually narrating it? I, I think, think so. Yeah. So you have like this old man voice the entire time droning along. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know the whole thing is, I guess, just like Natalie Portman's kind of like love letter, passion project to Amos Oz and his story and what it represents. But like, and she was really not interested in trying to like make it good for someone who wouldn't also be as interested as she is. Like, she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, can you imagine if we got to do the voiceover?" Like, it's like, like for the, yeah, for those of us, we're like, "No, I don't want to listen to some old man like droning in Hebrew over an entire movie." Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I feel like the story is his love letter to his mother, but um, and I had a, a really long discussion with this last time about my wife with my about my wife about my wife. <laughs> so let me just derail this whole thing. <laughs> Let me tell you about her. We're talking about love letters. (laughs) She's great. Um, She is. But um, we were talking about this, how... Take my wife, please. Please. Um, She... Oh, we were talking about how... So this is like, you know, his trying to come to terms with what she was going through. Um, And this 
appreciation of her. Um, but it's also done in such a self-absorbed way. Mm-hmm. And even though he wrote this book in 2002, so um, at that point, I would have expected his understanding of what she was going through to be a little bit more yeah. understanding that she's an adult. Right. Because basically, the, the there's this part where he basically says she wasn't happy because her father because his father her husband was not the man that she wanted like some hunky um you know survivalist who goes out and like discovers a, a place for them in Israel mm-hmm. um so she's disappointed in love and that um you know life was she didn't want to have kids he he really makes it sound it's it's like a gross misunderstanding of women mm. or or of his woman or of his mother as like uh, an adult with thoughts and feelings other than like what mm-hmm. he, what a little boy thought the problem was yeah. because there's clearly there's really no talk of like she was suffering from mental mental illness mm-hmm. her when she was still in Europe everyone she knew had been killed and she mm-hmm. was kind of sent to Israel by herself. Um, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. do it justice. Yeah, we're looking at her through his eyes. His and and, and his. Um, and in and, and, and through his child understanding of her, exactly. like it never really expands to reflect. It's like more complicated adult understanding of her, and you know, you know, photo- you know, photographically they find some interesting ways to, if if obvious, but still eye catching ways to tell that. Like there's a scene where um, he she is sitting down to um, you know a meal with her lady friends, and he's looking up at her under the mm-hmm. table and through a tablecloth, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that struck me as a really gorgeous way of, of like visually communicating that looking looking at her through this lace tablecloth mm-hmm. her sort of like troubled face like trying to pay attention right. um you know through this like this like feminine um you know lens mm-hmm. of like domesticity so i thought that, that was you know that was well done but you know i feel like another movie that another word that came in my head watching this is wallowing i'm like this movie is wallowing in its sadness mm-hmm. it is it is like masturbatory about sadness it's just like reveling in it yeah um and uh but i don't think and yet like it doesn't, it doesn't i didn't feel emotionally compelled by it no and the mother character certainly she remains a mystery when you're watching it and you know which is probably you know possibly as it should be right um you know that's kind of that she's she's this haunting figure from his life um but to make her such a pivotal character in the movie and to still keep her a mystery that entire time mm-hmm. is frustrating mm-hmm. um and natalie portman as brilliant as she is as an actress um, and you know, and she certainly, I mean, like, is 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 always great to see her. This is the first real kind of significant dramatic role she's taken since Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, and it's a reminder that she is a you know a terrific drag actress, and also that damn she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that punum on her, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, is that the word? Is that the is that the is that Yiddish? I believe. Um, but, uh, but she's just like, she doesn't really seem to like watching her play as woman. You don't feel like you understand the woman any better. Mm-mm. Um, no. so it, it's, it feels like the casting, like she's almost, you know, and not to, you know, uh, and I would say it's about a man too, if I thought it was true, but like, I think she's almost too good looking, um, because she's just so like epically Audrey Hepburn looking in every frame of the movie. And then it's just like, Oh, pretty girl sitting in the rain, staring into the distance. Like, I just didn't feel hmm. like she was, uh, you know, she didn't really do the things that actors do when they're conveying a mental breakdown. Actors of any sex or gender, um, when they normally are having a melt, you know, a meltdown and they find ways to, like, visually communicate that. And I, and I get that's probably not the story here because maybe his mother did look impeccably put together mm-hmm. um, throughout all of this. And that was just part of being of her generation. Um, but I think it's just, 
But again, to this, like, but why, what's the story, though? Right. Why should we care about this? Right. And like you said, like, there are so many reasons you would think that you would care. Mm-hmm. This really obvious, very recent, very profound historical context. Um, you know, a story about a mother and son, uh, mental illness, and a family being torn apart. Like, it's so rich, but goddamn, do they fuck it up. They've, they've, so just, I was going to go back real quick to one second. We were talking about um, how he, how the story is still kind of told from this young mm-hmm. point of view. Um we couldn't help but parallel it to the Norman Lear documentary, which is mm. like the complete opposite where you have this man mm-hmm. who's 90 something years old and he's coming back at the end of the story and he's saying, and he's talking about his father and his relationship with the father and how it has like influenced a lot of his work and how it's like really this, this bruise that's on him. Um, and he like comes to grip with it and, and sort of sees it as an adult. Um, and having seen both of those, this like this falls so short of that, of, yeah. of that sort of understanding. Um, but I think that back to like why we why we don't care. I think it it, tr- it tries to take you down little roads that you expect to kind of go somewhere. There's this mm-hmm. whole scene where um, he has to go and uh, he's introduced to this Arab family, and you know he, he's it's pushed on him like basically don't fuck this up, don't be rude, don't do this. This is like the manners oh, yeah. we expect of you. Right. Goes on this whole thing. He talks to this girl. Like there's a, it's a good 20 scene. minute scene that yeah, goes nowhere is. and nothing yeah. ever comes of it. I know. And you um, think that actually something happens that you think is going to be consequential, but, right. but it isn't. Because it's like a, 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 a microscope version of this like bigger political mm-hmm. picture that's going on. You conflict, think it's going to like tension. parallel that conflict or something and mm-hmm. like nothing ever happens. Um, and there, there are a couple of scenes like that where it feel like you're about to get invested and then it, and it wastes it. So by the end of it, you're almost like you're at like a cried wolf situation for like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be uh, yeah. thinking about or caring about. Yeah. I think that the, I think the difference between Norman Lear and Amos Oz as seen by these two movies is that Amos Oz's sense of his own importance as a cultural figure yes. as an author mm-hmm. um, clouds this. Yes. Norman Lear in his documentary comes across as so extremely humble and transparent and and modest and uh, and genuinely and just genuinely has you know actual curiosity I think. He had genuine that's what drove him to create the art that he did was that his mm-hmm. curiosity and how people work and how they think. And it seems like for Amos Oz like that doesn't come through at least in this film. Having not read the book maybe it comes through in the book. But in this film, like it's just like, oh, the great Amos Oz, the great Israeli author, reflects on his poor troubled mother, mm-hmm. um, but has no insight into why she was the way she was. Right. Um, and uh, and it's frustrating because I'm just like, I don't even know who you are, dude. Like, you know, like I'm I'm not sitting here like nodding like a great figure is speaking to me right now. Right. Like, I don't care. And it's funny because like part of the takeaway from the story for me was so he's an only child. His father is an author and kind of a genius of of words who looks the actor looks incredibly like Fred Armisen and has that like Fred Armisen style a uh, lack of macho I don't know kind of bumbling right. goof sure. feel to him yeah um but so he's an only child and his mother kind of you know dotes on him and tells him these stories is that I've always wanted to have uh, if, I'm, if we're gonna have kids one child I was an only child I thought it was great but this kid is so I mean, you can see this is like the beginning of this whole story is that he is so uh, right. aware of how precious he is. And his perspective is the only perspective. It is. And right. it is uh, a game changer. <laughs> now I want to have twins. <laughs> so thank you, Tale of Love and Darkness. <laughs> you have had a profound impact on at least one person. Yeah. Beyond, beyond just Natalie Portman. Did not intend. No. Um, what, did you think, what did you think of the cinematography? I was I was watching it in a weird way. I was like casting it. So I couldn't tell if it was my, my connection oh, was weird. I think but it was But to your me connection. it seemed very... Uh, muddled and fuzzy oh. no see i think that the thing about this that made me think that 
like basically the only part of this I enjoyed um, was how gorgeous it looked. Oh, okay. Um, the cinematography was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it looks like it has that kind of vaguely sepia tone kind of quality to it. Um, and uh, it, it's just exquisite. There's lots of gorgeous, gorgeous photography in okay. this movie. Um, I missed so, that. It seems like it was like really dark. No, not especially. Hmm. Um, I think that's your that's your shitty caster. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Rude. Uh, so no, uh, this was um, it's it's gorgeous. I think it's it's one thing I would commend it on is is its photography and uh, and I think that Natalie Portman has you know maybe if based on that alone really uh, you know gives me few, uh, faith in her as a director going forward. Um, but yeah. she wrote the screenplay adaptation, which I feel like. Mm. The screenplay is most of the failings. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it just doesn't have any any sort of compelling dramatic structure. Like it, like you said, it's just a series of, it's not even a series of like vignettes. Um, no, because no. you know, like as vignettes are are compelling in their own way. This is just a bunch of shrugs. It's a bunch of like it always feels like it's leading somewhere, but that never actually does. Yeah, which is very frustrating. And uh, so I think that you know she, based on this film, has a, a keen visual eye, but maybe isn't yet. She's coming; still needs to do some some exploring around how to develop dramatic uh, momentum in a movie. Um, what are you uh, What are you going to give this one, Jason? You know, I mean, I was thinking like, oh, I should be nice and give it consume moderation, just because like, you know, um, it looks nice, <laughs> um, and it's very serious. Um, but I can't think of a single circumstance under which I would recommend this to anybody unless Same. they were like an Amos Oz fan which I have not encountered if you meet such a one person. this is this is the movie that uh, this is they the probably one. already know about it yeah it's true or like just Natalie Portman completists only um, if only it was a movie about Frank Oz that I would watch <laughs> I would be all over that Tale of the Muppets or, 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 or Mehmet Oz is that <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Oz <laughs> I'm like or one Mehmet Oz <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to say send it back because this was just, I mean, it was only like 90 minutes long and wow, did it feel longer than that. Um, also going to giving it a send it back. I love serious movies Mm -hmm. and this was too, uh, there was no takeaway and it's unfortunate, um, because there really was a lot of material. That's a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, send it back, unfortunately. Um, it is rated PG-13 for thematic content and some disturbing violent images. Uh, we're going to bounce back with Morris from America, with which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick, pick of, of the week. week. The romantic and coming-of-age misadventures of a 13-year-old American living in Germany. Wait. You need to practice your German with people your own age. I don't need friends. I'm a gangster. I don't like it here. It's boring. I know you might be still mad at me about bringing us here. One day, you lighting the hip-hop world on fire, collecting all your Source Awards. You thank me. Source Awards? Mm-hmm. Is that as far as I get in your dreams? All right, all right, you're Can right. Can I get a Grammy or something? Yeah, yeah. Let me get some claps, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Pop star. And we tell you guys that we love that. Well, I love pop star. Um, we didn't review on the show, but I'm obsessed with it. And it's on iTunes now. So go watch pop star. Popstar and Morris from America are the two movies about rappers that you should watch. <laughs> um, yeah, forget Straight Outta Compton. No, you should see that one too. That was good. No, boo to that movie. What? <laughs> These two are where it's at. Okay. <laughs> um, this movie gets uh, a, a binge award for being um, a perspective I don't think we've heard before. Yeah, I have not seen this story told before. Mm-mm, a contemporary black father and son try to make a new life for themselves in Germany. Uh-uh, hasn't happened. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a fresh one, guys. It's fresh. And it's good. 
It's real good. Uh, Morris and his dad just moved to Heidelberg, um, which sounds like a nightmare. Like his his mom has died. Um, they're the only black people we see in mm-hmm. uh, in town. Um, he doesn't know the language. He's learning the language. It sounds mm-hmm. like a teenage nightmare. It's such a perfect um, combination of a fish out of water story and a coming of age tale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's like it just it just oh it works. It but works, it could be it so like well. it could be so like sad on itself and mm-hmm. it could be such a uh, a bummer but this the energy um this kid is so great yeah, yeah. um you, he has this relationship with his father um which you know it's they've been they're forced to be really close and mm-hmm. it's a re- it's a really great wonderful relationship yeah it's sort of like it's it's it, it, there's something almost profound about the way that it shows you that by sort of removing um two people from the usual setting the usual circumstances and planting them somewhere new um, it just makes so many things about their relationship and who they are and what they're used to come into really sharp focus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, without the usual comforts to kind of um, blunt that. Right. Um, it's almost like I feel I felt I felt lucky to like wa- like watch them yeah. hang out. Mm-hmm. And there's a very authentic chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, there really is. And, and like sh- they go through the teenage stuff of like, you know, he wants to go out late and stay out mm-hmm. with his friends and and then there's this other situation where since they are the only two right. uh that they know there that his father kind of depends on him to hang out a bit. Mm-hmm. Um so that that's an interesting dynamic in yeah. the relationship. We should note that the actor who plays Morris has the wonderful name of Marquise Christmas. Love it. Mhm. M A R K E E S. Christmas. That's a great name. And the father's played by Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. Um and what he's in something else you're watching right now, right? He's in Mr. Robot this this second season. And um clearly Craig Robinson had a sit down with his manager and was like, dude, (laughs) I need to start doing some stuff other than hot tub time machine sequels. Oh right. I have more to offer, I promise. And he is delivering. Um he is so fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really incredible. I mean, he's still funny, um, but you know, yeah. not funny in like a performing for the camera way. Just like funny the way this character would be funny, and has some very sweet, poignant moments too. Yeah, he doesn't seem like it's like that comic in that movie. Exactly. Um, he really comes through, and he's also um, he Mr. Robot season two has been a fucking tire fire, but um, he's very good on it. An unexpected role. <laughs> it's tire fire the new dumpster fire. It is. I like it because it it rhymes. rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take much of guess going, guys. Uh, uh, nope. <laughs> Cheap dates. Um. So, uh, um, did you term it the Charlotte Rampling syndrome? Is that you that came up with that term? Which is uh, where we learn uh, how warped European views are of Black American Black culture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's what we know what we mean when we call it Charlotte Rampling syndrome. Um, it just made me think of that because you know, in this movie, a lot of the Germans say some fucked up shit to Morris. They do. Um, and uh, and he kind of has to take it in stride, and he, yeah, and uh, and like not pop off at people about it, and um, and so and I think that probably be <laughs> maybe a missed opportunity here was for him to have a common you know conversation with his dad about like and I thought that white people in America said crazy shit to me, right, right, <laughs> a little you know uh, or maybe like oh it's actually not that different, um, but uh, but yeah, so it, it's definitely a reminder that like you know. It, Europe does not have anything approaching our, um, you know, our context around issues of race, um, particularly between people who are white and people who are black. And so uh, this, it, it's kind of a really fresh perspective on race relations in that way, because it kind of takes these two people who have been 
um, socialized into like an American racial mindset and mm-hmm. then just transplants them to a place that is also filled with white people, white people who have a completely different outlook on that and who have no concept of like what is and is not okay to say. Right, or ask. Or and, ask. And he's like such a novelty to them. Such a novelty. At, and again, at an age, he was like, what, 13? Mm-hmm. And he's trying, he like has his first crush. Yeah. And that relationship is is saddled with this sort of awkward view of, of American black culture. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's okay. I know, watching him chase that girl reminded me of following you around back of the eight hard French. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I've seen this situation play out before. Um, there's some really awkward scenes too, like of him just kind of like, he's coming to grips with sexuality and he, uh, yeah. he had, there are some really scenes that like, I can't have been, it couldn't have been easy to act out, but it's, <laughs> it's cute. He's such a natural, this kid. He really is. Um, like you don't catch him acting, you know, that, mm-hmm. that whole cliche. Like, he just seems like he is just being this kid, and there happens to be a camera following him around. And it really feels like that's what young Craig Robinson was like, too. <laughs> yeah, like, you could totally buy them as father and son. They mm-hmm. have a very similar kind of uh, quality on camera. And uh, and they really literally only have each other, you know? And yeah. uh, and we also have, um, we have a German tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, is his name Carly Urich, I think? That sounds right. She right. is from the very wild film Wetlands. Wetlands. That movie's crazy. Crazy! So it's that girl, guys. If you saw that movie, it's the girl who likes putting her finger in her butt. Um, <laughs> she plays the German tutor, um, who also has some kind of like, she's kind of like, basically, she's a student and she's kind of only being a tutor because of it, the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so she's there. But aside from that, they just have each other. Like, we... You know, we do see this kind of sad scene of Craig Robinson out to get like drinks with his coworkers or whatever. Yeah. And uh and it just feels like is like he isn't this is not a natural fit. Yeah, these guys are lost. Yeah. Um not not sure what to say. Um so uh yeah, it's it's just great. I think that part of what makes this movie work so well, um, is that you know, there's always you know, just just rattling off the cliches this episode. Um, you know, <laughs> people always say that, you know, that you achieve universality by being super specific and that the more specific you are that like conversely the more universal your story becomes Mm. because when you really zero in on those details then you tap into things that are just universal for people everywhere Mm -hmm. and i think that although like none of us know what it's like to be a black teenager who goes to germany um i think that like it taps into such a universal feeling of feeling like trying to find your people and feeling like the odd man out and feeling like a fish out of water and feeling like where do i fit in Mm -hmm. like when will i find people who understand me um it's just like i think that i mean i I certainly felt that kind of um you know emotional response when i was watching and i don't know about you absolutely yes definitely uh so which you know which unlike and it doesn't doesn't you know try to over narrate or over explain things to you like a tale of love and darkness is pretty specific as well um and yet it has like just the constant droning voiceover narration telling you what to think yeah so you never get to have your own response to it because you have amos oz droning on at you about like what you should think about what happened to him right right um this movie lets you have your own reaction which is the way movie should yeah um you were saying something about the way the yeah. exposition is handled yeah it doesn't set anything up for you at all like it's i mean it's a it's a fairly straightforward story but they also don't like and this is more. It's like nobody. There's no narration. There's no. You just kind of you're dropped right into a day, and then you you know quickly figure out what's going on, why they're there. Um, but they don't. They don't do it in a clunky way that that, mm-hmm. that insults you. Right. 
you, they expect you to be able to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I you noticed do. that while I was watching it. I remember thinking a couple of times, I was like, oh, that's a smart way to reveal a detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it came up, you know, oh, that came up naturally in that conversation in a way that felt organic. Right, right. Um, so that was, I mean, it's nice. I don't like to, to feel like a movie um, doesn't think that its audience is smart enough to figure out what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Schindler's List. <laughs> Um, so this is the pick of the week. We're giving it, it a hella binge it. Yes, yes. And it's not only available in theaters, yeah. but it's also already available to rent on yeah. iTunes or YouTube um, or anywhere you, you get your movies online, I think. Yeah, I think it's, actually, as well. it's actually been out to rent uh, on iTunes for a week, um, which I did not realize. I also probably would have tried to have it be on the show last week. Um, but it opens theatrically in San Francisco uh, this weekend. Cool. So um, it's out now, and it's rated R for teen drug use and partying, sexual material, brief nudity, and language throughout. That's our show. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes. Maybe leave us a review. Put a couple stars down. Five only or don't leave anything. That's right. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter. Big news. Jason got a new handle. I changed my Twitter handle, guys. So it's no longer at the Jason Leroy. I it is am now. Not. Although if you were following me there, you're still following me. But last Friday, I had this brainstorm. I was I was at um, a screening of Multiple Maniacs at the Alamo Draft House. John Wires was introducing it. It was very cool and fun. And he said the phrase excess baggage, the term excess baggage, and then like a lightning bolt from God, excess faggage. That's your new handle. Just bubbled right up. So yeah, guys, I am now across all social media. I am at excess faggage on Instagram, on Twitter, and at facebook.com slash excess faggage. And I'm still at Fight Balance. So um, clean to that one. No yeah. lightning bolts for this one yet. Nope. Rarely, rarely are. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.